Kansas Governor Laura Kelly on Monday issued a verbal disaster emergency proclamation due to increased fire weather risks this week. The declaration allows more resources to be available for fighting wildfires. Warmer conditions, strong winds, and low relative humidity will create very high fire weather conditions throughout the state. Local and state officials are advising all burns be postponed until conditions improve. The Kansas Division of Emergency Management will staff the State Emergency Operations Center beginning today to assist counties and local responders if requested. The Riley County Police Department is investigating a case of identity theft after a woman reported her Social Security number was used to fraudulently obtain a credit card. The 44-year-old victim reported the crime Saturday. Police say the total loss associated is over $26,000. Anyone with information can contact Crime Stoppers. Riley County property owners should be receiving change-of-value notices in their mailboxes this week. The appraiser's office mailed out those notices Friday, which reflect changes in property values due to fluctuations in the local real estate market. Residents will have until March 25th to file an appeal. In a Monday statement, Riley County appraiser Anna Burson noted that the overall sales volume has decreased, but sale prices have increased on average around 4%, according to data from the Kansas Association of Realtors. The statewide average home sale price in December was just over $292,000, a 4.1% increase year over year. In the Midwest, prices rose about 6%, while the national trend has seen increases at around 4.4%. In 2023, Riley County noted property value increases ranging from anywhere between 7 and 17%. 2024 valuation data can also be found online using the parcel search option at rileycountyks.gov. Riley County Commissioners discussed changes to the county's animal control resolution on Monday. Deputy County Counselor Shelley Woodard suggested the removal of license tag requirements for residents in unincorporated areas. Most people don't come in and register their farm dogs, and, and the clerk's office had tags at one point. I think they just didn't even use them. And so my recommendation, unless there's an objection, is we go ahead and remove that licensing requirement. I don't think it would bring in much in the way of revenue. I think it would be a lot more of an administrative um, yeah. hassle than to track all of that. So. She also recommended Monday removing references within the resolution on code enforcement officers serving as animal control. Our code enforcement officer is not trained to do animal control, doesn't have the proper equipment, which is required. And after talking to planning and development, they agree that they don't think that they're really equipped to handle that. And so that, that way, they're not, we're not sending out an untrained employee to try to handle animal control. From a liability standpoint, I think that would be problematic. The changes will go toward a final draft that will be finalized in a few weeks. A retirement contract for the Pottawatomie County Sheriff's Aging K-9 Turbo was approved Monday. Sheriff Shane Yeager informed county commissioners about the process and noted the dog's handler, Sergeant Dustin Young, is wanting to take control of the dog. Um, it's the same thing that we did with our last dog, Jax, that went with Brian Lukert. So it's it's that time. It's just he's nine years old and a working dog of, of police nature, is, is at, he's at his max. Yeager says the sheriff's office has budgeted $11,000 for a replacement canine. So actually he's out in Colorado right now. We're getting another Labrador. So it will be uh, one that's trained. It will have heroin, cocaine, methamphetamine, MDMA, and fentanyl. So it will actually be able to find fit. So And also be an evidence dog where it can find evidence if someone throws a gun or a bullet or drugs. It can also find people too. The dog will not be trained to detect marijuana. A new plaque bearing the names of 50 Pottawatomie County veterans will be unveiled at a public ceremony Monday at the Veterans Memorial in Westmoreland. K-Man's A.J. Shaw reports. Last April, the county began collecting names of honorably discharged veterans that reside or have resided in Pottawatomie County and served in any branch of the military from 1947 onward. Those 50 names were received in December to be added to the memorial on a bronze plaque. The memorial was dedicated back in 1992. 
The county continues to collect names of additional veterans and will have another bronze plaque cast when it receives 50 more names. Additionally, the county has two-inch double-sided challenge coins available for 10 bucks, with proceeds to benefit maintenance of the memorial. Names of veterans currently on the memorials and photos of the memorial can be viewed online at potcounty.org. For News Radio KMAN, I'm AJ Shaw. Manhattan City staff will meet with the City Commission tonight to discuss a strategy for increasing revenues to the general fund and a proposed sales tax question to be posed to voters. KMAN's Peter Rice has more on that. Agenda documents for the work session show city staff favoring a strategy to ask a sales tax question at the August primary. Taking the current 1% permanent sales tax up to as much as 2%, the sales tax increase would allow the city to build up its general fund dollars, an extra $7.5 to $15 million annually. The city would need to draft a resolution by June in order to be on the August primary. Another strategy the city could consider is to ask a sales tax question in August, and if successful, then ask voters to renew the quarter percent quality of life sales tax. Doing so would give city officials a starting point for funding a new indoor aquatic facility that could potentially open in 2027 or 28. City commissioners will receive an update on the East Manhattan Gateway plan as Tuesday's work session as well. The meeting begins at 6 p.m. For News Radio KMAN, I'm Peter Rice. Good morning, I'm Troy Coverdale with your sports headlines at News Radio KMAN as K-Man's Morning News continues. Tyler Perry with 29 points and six three-pointers. Cam Carter added 19 points as K-State let a 25-point lead slip away before eventually besting West Virginia in overtime 94-90 at Bramlage last night. There was, there was a time there where I thought we were playing not to lose and we got a little tight and, you know, whether it was my play calls or... You know, just our demeanor in the huddles, you know, I'll have to look at all of that. But thankful we got it to overtime, and, and I like the look in their eyes when the buzzer sounded. We knew we were going to overtime. I was looking at guys that knew they were going to win. Perry tied the game at 79-all with a pair of free throws with 15.4 seconds left in regulation. He then gave K-State the lead for good, 82-80, with his season-tying sixth three-pointer with just under four minutes remaining in overtime. We're asking a lot of him, and he's, he's, he's delivering, and, and he, he's, he's playing, he's studying, he's practicing, he's preparing like a kid who wants to make the NCAA tournament for the first time in his career. We're asking, we're stretching him, man. He's really being stretched, and and he's embracing it. K-State set an NCAA single-season mark with its seventh overtime win of the year, extending Jerome Tang's mark to 12-0 in his two seasons as coach. West Virginia, meanwhile, remains winless on the road on the season. K-State will play its next two away from Bramlage, visiting Cincinnati Saturday, then Kansas next Monday before closing at home against Iowa State on March 9th. Also last night in the Big 12, 15th-ranked Baylor drops TCU 62-54. In the top 25, number 9, North Carolina, over Miami 75-71. Houston became the fifth team to hold the men's number one ranking Monday after reigning national champion UConn's six-week stay at the top. The Cougars, who have hit the top mark for two straight seasons, now carry that number one bullseye into a home game tonight against Cincinnati and Saturday's trip to Oklahoma. Purdue at number two, UConn at three, Tennessee fourth, Marquette fifth this week. Kansas at number seven and Iowa State at number eight give the Big 12 a trio of teams in the top ten. Baylor is then 15th, but no other Big 12 teams are in the poll this week, marking the first time since December that fewer than five Big 12 teams are ranked. 
Number 25, South Florida, entering the poll with its first ever ranking in the uh, AP Top 25. The Bulls appearing at number 25, entering the week with 13 straight wins. The K-State women's basketball team dipped to number 15 in the latest women's poll on the heels of falling to Kansas on Sunday afternoon. The Wildcats fell five spots in that ballot after their fourth loss in Big 12 play, all within the month since they had climbed to number two. Tomorrow night, they'll try to get one back from Iowa State, who bested them on Valentine's Day. Texas rose to its highest ranking in more than a year, moving up two spots to number three after four of the top seven teams lost at least one game last week. Texas has now won eight straight and will close out the regular season this week against 20th-ranked Oklahoma and BYU. The Longhorns are a game back of the Sooners for first in the Big 12. South Carolina remains the unanimous number one, picking up all 35 votes from the national media panel. Ohio State at number two, the Buckeyes having clinched a share of the Big Ten title with their 14th consecutive win Sunday. Stanford at number four after a pair of home games were split last week against Arizona and Arizona State. Virginia Tech moved up three spots to fifth, followed by Iowa, USC, and UCLA. LSU is up four places to ninth, UConn to number 10. From the Big 12, besides the Cats, Longhorns, and Sooners, Baylor is at number 21, West Virginia 24th. High school substate basketball last night in the area. Rossville dropped Riley County 50-37. Silver Lake over St. Mary's 67-55. Two-way girls' actions saw Valley Heights eliminate Republic County by a 60-26 mark, and Wabunsee defeated Jackson Heights 77-55. Manhattan High's girls will play host to Topeka High tonight. A win would send them to either Liberal or Wichita North on Friday. Junction City travels to Wichita Heights tonight, the top seed on the 6A bracket. Wamego in 4A, the fourth seed on the east bracket. They'll play host to Chanute tonight, and then either Labette County or Holton Friday pending a win. Rock Creek will travel to Bishop Miege tonight as the 15th seed on that east bracket. 3A girls action tonight sees Riley County travel to Rossville. In 2A boys, Wabunsee visits Bennington and Valley Heights will travel to Lincoln. The Jeff Mitty Coaches Show coming up this evening at 6 o'clock on Sunny 1025. We've got Manhattan High Girls Basketball for you here on News Radio KMAN as the Indians open substate play at home as they again welcome in Topeka High. That coverage to begin at 645. This afternoon, the game gets underway at 4. Plenty to talk to after K-State's win last night at home over West Virginia. The game for two hours this afternoon from 4 to 6 at News Radio KMAN.